0: The FBI has arrested an NSA contract worker. TalkTalk Talk gets a record fine for its 2015 data breach, 400,000 pounds, which comes to 100,000 hacker weight. Yahoo email surveillance allegations amount to a story that's still murky and anonymously sourced. And the AUSA meeting and exposition closed yesterday with a look at 2013, warnings of Russian information operations, and considerations of how the U.S. government can keep pace with industry innovation. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, October 6, 2016. Today seems to be a day of crime and punishment. The FBI has arrested an NSA contract employee and entered a criminal complaint against him for theft of government property and unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents or material. The man arrested, Harold Thomas Martin, was employed by Booz Allen Hamilton. He goes by the nickname Hal and he's been fired. The Bureau executed a search warrant against Martin's home and vehicle where they found documents and material that was either highly classified, reports say that some was top secret SCI, that is, sensitive compartmented information, which if the reports are borne out would make the material very highly classified indeed, or that were marked as government property. Observers point out, amid the inevitable widespread speculation surrounding the case, that taking this kind of stuff home isn't something one does inadvertently in say a fit of abstraction they also observe that doing this sort of thing usually represents a pattern of behavior and not a one-off one-time act the complaint the fbi filed with the united states court for the district of maryland states that when the bureau searched martin's vehicle and residence in glen burnie maryland on august 27th of this year they found classified material in both hard copy and digital forms The digital information was found stored, the complaint says, on a variety of removable media. At the time the complaint was filed, at least six of the documents were found to contain matter properly classified at the top-secret level, and that was apparently obtained from sensitive intelligence produced in 2014. Disclosure of the documents are said to risk compromising intelligence sources, methods, and capabilities. Reports in the New York Times and elsewhere mention the possibility that among the classified material the FBI found in Martin's possession was software. There's much speculation that Martin had been working for Russia's SVR as a mole, and that he may have been connected with the shadow broker's compromise of Equation Group tools, but the story is still developing and these conclusions are premature. It's also important to note that Martin is entitled to the legal presumption of innocence, even though the complaint says he admitted knowing that he'd done something wrong— a statement from Martin's lawyers reported in the New York Times seems to foreshadow his likely defense, quote, We have not seen any evidence, but what we know is that Hal Martin loves his family and his country. There is no evidence that he intended to betray his country, End quote. Thus, no intent. The markets regard the arrest, of course, as a black eye for Booz Allen Hamilton. The company's stock closed down 3.78% yesterday. In the UK, it's also courts, but in this case, torts. TalkTalk has received a record fine, £400,000, for what Her Majesty's government regards as negligent security practices that led to a significant breach. High Tech Bridge CEO Ilya Kolichenko believes the fine, while a record, may be relatively minor compared to other consequences of the breach for the British telecom company. He told the CyberWire that, quote, 400,000 pounds is a very small amount in comparison to other financial losses for TalkTalk caused by the breach, end quote. He noted that one of the most expensive aspects of the incident may be a dramatic cost increase in new customer acquisition. Companies find the reputational damage of a major breach makes it more expensive to attract and hold new customers. The story of Yahoo's alleged complicity with government surveillance now seems more complex than earlier reports would have suggested. After initially responding to inquiries concerning the allegation with bland assertions of being law-abiding, Yahoo has denied giving up customer emails in bulk to the U.S. government. It's unclear exactly what Yahoo did beyond compliance with court orders, and many note that Reuters sources' anonymity isn't helping. The story continues to develop, and observers are calling for more details before they're willing to move to judgment. Bitcoin and the blockchain technology that it's built on are a hot topic in cybersecurity. Peter Mueller is an analyst at Novetta, and they're teaming up with Chainalysis to host a special event at the Jailbreak Brewery in Laurel, Maryland, coming up on October 17th. The CyberWire is a media sponsor for the event, and we spoke with Peter Mueller to get a preview of his presentation.
1: People are hearing the buzz. They're hearing blockchain, and what does that mean? And they certainly have heard Bitcoin. And uh, even more certain is, I don't think they realize the link between Bitcoin and blockchain. And, and that link is that, you know, blockchain is, as I believe, uh, a, a revolution, a whole new paradigm shift in, uh, in the way we, we move data and store data. And the way we think about IT and, 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 and coding in general. But we will make people know that around here locally, uh, there's definitely a market for it. And there are larger companies that are interested in tackling that. And uh, it's not just about building stuff, but it's about educating the the locals about what's happening in tech. And blockchain is definitely something that is happening in tech.
0: So, what are some of the areas where where blockchain is happening?
1: Well, obviously in finance. I mean, Bitcoin, uh, as people will see in my in my presentation, Bitcoin is probably the most famous. Uh, example of blockchain, or infamous, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, But blockchain has a lot of other implications, like, for instance, in voting, uh, in healthcare, uh, perhaps in logistics, assets tracking. Blockchain isn't just a matter of coding something. Say, you get got a blockchain. Blockchain is a way of thinking. Uh, Blockchain can be applied to so many different uh, areas in our in our world and especially now with smart contracts you know we're talking about blockchain 2.0 distributed autonomous uh, companies and organizations these are whole new ways of of dealing with things it takes some of the human bias out of our everyday decisions and puts them into code, specifically talking about Ethereum here, um, these decisions are made in code and that, that has huge implications for, for intellectual property and, and, and contracts between people like, for instance, uh, escrow. All this can be done in code and, and then that, that saves costs, it saves time. Uh, it doesn't require trust. That's the, one of the big things with blockchain. It's trustless. Uh, there's there's so many places blockchain can be used, and I think the human imagination is really all that blocks it from, <laughs> no pun intended, blocks it from going into certain areas. If you can think it and apply blockchain, you can probably do it. So,
0: who, who are the people who should come to see this presentation? Who are you targeting?
1: So I am targeting everyone from the what is Bitcoin, have never seen Bitcoin before, all the way up to the Gavin and Andreessen types. I would like to have the super pros there to, to sharpshoot it. We need people to say, yeah, it's great, but... And I'm hoping that we can do, turn the talk into a discussion. We're going to have Q&A afterwards. And if that Q&A turns into a little bit of a light argument, that's fine. That, that's, what make blo- that's what makes blockchain better. That's what fosters ideas into the blockchain world that we can work on.
0: That's Peter Mueller from Noveta. His presentation on blockchain is coming up at a special event this October 17th at the Jailbreak Brewery in Laurel, Maryland. The CyberWire spent the first 3 days of this week at the Association of the United States Army's 2016 Meeting and Exposition. You'll find full accounts of what we learned on the cyberwire.com, but we will mention two overarching themes that touch on cyber matters. Both came from the Institute of Land Warfare Contemporary Military Forum. First, many experts consider Russia and the US to be engaged already in an information war. Peter Singer, a strategist at New America, observed that Russia invented information warfare and that, unlike the U.S., Russia doesn't conceive of information warfare in narrowly military terms. Quote, The goal of Russian information operations is not to make people love Russia, but rather to disrupt and create distrust. This feels new to us, but it goes back at least as far as Stalin's day. End quote. To keep pace with threats in cyberspace, the U.S. Army's Cyber Command is trying to build a new culture of innovation so that it won't see what General Frost characterized as a clock-speed mismatch between itself and industry. That new culture, Cyber Command boss General Carden said, would be one that took the formulation and posing of problems as its central task. We should, General Carden said, be in the problem business. Look for more reports on AUSA and cybersecurity in tomorrow's CyberWire. And finally, we're happy today to be able to mark a milestone of our own. Our sister publication, the CyberWire Daily News Briefing, today published issue number 1,000. On behalf of all of us at the CyberWire, thanks for subscribing and thanks for reading. We're looking forward to our next 1,000 issues. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler. That's vanta.com/slash cyber. And I'm joined once again by Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, you know, I, I, old guys like me, I, I find that my tendency when it comes to storing my data is that I want to have everything local. I want to have everything on my PC. Right. Uh, you
2: like ownership of
0: it. I like ownership of it. My music, my documents, my pictures. Right. Right. Um, but I'm starting to give in to the allure of
2: the cloud. Right. I'm, I'm very much the same way as you. My computer at home, I've talked about before, has actually a, a little RAID array in it, just a RAID 1, which means that the uh, it's got two terabyte hard drives that ho- house all my data, mm-hmm. and the data is duplicated ac- across those two drives. Uh, recently, I, I've actually gone ahead and purchased the Microsoft Office Home and Student Plan. Right. Uh, that comes with a terabyte of cloud storage from Microsoft on their product called OneDrive. Yep. I have started backing up my data to the cloud, but I don't view this as where my data lives. I still think of this as my data living on my machine and being backed up on, first, my RAID array, and second, in the cloud. But you were telling me earlier about your son,
0: right? We were, yeah, we were upgrading a computer recently, and uh, I was transferring user accounts to a new home computer. And I said, and I, I said to my son, uh, son, you have you know 350 gigabytes of stuff here on this on your account. That's too much. I can't transfer all that over. What do you right. want me to do? And he said, oh, just get rid of it all. All my stuff's in the cloud. Right. And I don't need anything local. And I was like, what? He
2: doesn't. He doesn't think that way right well
0: right and i think that's the paradigm shift right exactly that that people are starting
2: to think of their data as living in the cloud uh and having somebody else take care of it rather than being responsible for it themselves
0: but i guess the flip side of that is and of course this being a cybersecurity show is uh, when you're putting your stuff in the cloud it's out there and there's the possibility that other people could have access there is
2: that possibility so again the same thing i always say uh is strong passwords strong passwords strong passwords i can't can't emphasize that enough. Uh, I don't even know what my password is to my to my OneDrive account. It's a, a string of random characters that uh, that my password manager generates, and I, I just copy it and paste it in. And when I have to do it on my phone, yeah, it's a little bit of, of, uh, of a task to enter a 20-character random password through the, the keyboard that comes up on mm-hmm, your phone. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to make that trade-off because I don't want somebody to get access to my documents. I don't want somebody to be able to read all of... Uh, anything I might be working
0: on or thinking about. All right. Good advice. Joe Kerrigan, good talking to you. My pleasure. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. and that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network.